0: Sport Clips haircut stylists understand how to make guys look their best based on their facial shape, hair texture, and lifestyle. Whether you got a scruffy beard, a big, thick beard, uh, th- you want to grow your hair out long, you want to keep it close and cropped, Sport Clips has tools, training, and expertise to make guys look their best. Check out the MVP haircut experience, too. It's the most relaxing haircut experience ever. Sport Clips, the pro in men's hair. <coughs> Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Pizza, it's ubiquitous. It's a fixture at parties and office break rooms, and there's a good chance you order it from your favorite place for dinner every single week. But there's one setting where pizza doesn't show up very often, and that's in your own oven, having been made in your own kitchen. Well, my guest today, who spent decades pursuing the perfect pizza, says you ought to be making your own pies more often and will teach you the secrets of getting restaurant quality pizza at home. His name is Dan Richard and he's the owner and chef of Raza in New Jersey, as well as the author of The Joy of Pizza, everything you need to know. We begin our conversation with what makes pizza such an awesome, go-to, inexhaustibly delicious dish and how to overcome the obstacles that typically prevent people from creating pizzeria level pizza at home. Dan then gives us his recommendations on sauce, cheese, and toppings in order to create the perfect pizza pie, including his take on on that most burning of questions, does pineapple belong on a pizza? After the show's over, check out our show notes at awim.is slash pizza. All right, Dan Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, well, so you got a book out called The Joy of Pizza, and it's all about making, your, it's about your quest to make the perfect pizza or get as close as you can to the perfect pizza tell us what led you on this quest to get as close as you can to pizza perfection as possible
1: yeah so i mean that's that's like uh, that's a hard question to answer but the the gist of it is i was 26 years old i bought a failing pizzeria i maxed out three credit cards and borrowed very small sums of money from a lot of different people and I, at 26, I had my own restaurant and it happened to have two wood fired ovens and a really bad pizza recipe. And I recognized very early in my career that the restaurant business is a meritocracy. The better we are at our jobs, the more people enjoy it and return. And that's what makes a successful restaurant. We're good at what we do, people are going to come back. So, I just really wanted to make the pizza as good as I possibly could and I'm still doing that every day. It's still not it'll never be finished. Pizza is a lifelong quest. It's it's a series of choices and techniques that we use to put together a, a pizza which is seems so simple. Everybody understands pizza. My 4-year-old son understands pizza but it's extraordinarily complicated when you want to put it together in a way that you truly believe in. So you you're the chef of a
0: restaurant, the Raza Pizzeria. Yes, in, in Jer- Jersey City, New Jersey. In Jersey City, New
1: Jersey. Like what kind of pizza do you do? Like what's your specialty? Okay, so we make American artisanal pizza. That's the only way I can describe it. It is it's not a New York slice. It's not a Detroit style pizza. It's not Sicilian. It's not Neapolitan. Uh, our fuel of choice happens to be wood. So we bake in a wood-fired oven. We, When I was coming up with the pizza of my dreams, I started writing a list of characteristics about pizza in general that I love and that I wanted to recreate in my pizza. I knew I didn't want it to be soft. I knew I didn't want it to be wet and soggy. So I started with a list of maybe eight or 10 characteristics. And over the years and over the decades at this point, I've accumulated a list of about 60 different characteristics about pizza that I think makes my perfect pizza. And now listen, this is my perfect pizza. It's not everyone's perfect pizza, but it was a set of blueprints that I used for the creation of our pizza. And it's it's a, a list of characteristics that I use to teach my team and hold my team accountable and let them hold themselves accountable for producing the product that is the Ratza pizza. So uh, give us the
0: district like what what is that what is your perfect pizza? What are some of the characteristics that it has? So we have an idea. Okay, so,
1: yeah. So it's everything from the structural integrity of it, right? It should be able to be picked up with your hands and not have that floppy, wet, soggy thing. It should have a crust that is deeply caramelized. It should have a crust that is light, airy, tender, big open holes in the crust separated by thin cell walls. The flavors of the crust should be aromatic and floral, fragrant. It should smell and taste like fermented wheat because that's what it is. The tomatoes should have a balance between sweetness and acidity. The sweetness shouldn't be cloying. Like I added some sugar to my sauce. We don't ever do that. Tomatoes are a fruit, and they should be sweet. The cheese should melt and flow fully on the pizza. You know, it shouldn't be little clumps of uh, unmelted cheese. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. What makes pizza? I mean, it seems
0: like you know pizza night that's a tradition i think in most american families what makes pizza such a go-to food and like even mediocre pizza even pizza that's got the floppy mess with yeah or the cardboard crust it's it's okay you're never like ah oh, this is i've never had a pizza where i'm just like this is disgusting i'm like that was okay what is it about yeah. pizza that makes it good like that such a go-to
1: yeah so for me it's probably three or four things one it's fundamentally delicious right It it satisfies on on a very deep level. Melted cheese tastes great. Who doesn't love melted cheese, right? It provides a little bit of protein, fatty, rich, and then it's balanced by a sweet yet acidic tomato. You know, an acid always balances fat, right? Acid is kind of the counterpoint to fat and sweetness is the counterpoint to acidity. Right, So you have all of these flavors and it's all baked on on top of a fresh piece of bread because fundamentally pizza is a flat bread with condiments baked onto it. So when you bake on something like melted cheese and sweet tomato, it's just fundamentally delicious. There's also the affordability factor. A pizza is not very expensive in the realm of dining out. It's accessible and approachable to everyone. It's probably the first food that I was able to buy for myself as a child. And I'm dating myself a little bit, but when I was a kid, a slice of pizza was a dollar. So I knew that I could scrounge up four quarters nestled inside my couch cushions and go to the store and buy myself a slice of pizza. And that's, that's childhood. That's, that's another thing. Like pizza is deeply ingrained in a child's life. It's at every birthday party after baseball games and soccer games, school events. We had pizza night twice a week when I was growing up and it was, it was a way for the family to come together. And there's that, that equity portion that a kid gets the same slice of pizza as, as your parents, there's just, it's, it levels the playing field and it brings people around this communal dish. And I, I'm personally, as a chef, I'm obsessed with communal dishes. Like paella is one of my favorite things to make. So we'll make a big batch of paella and I'll take the paella off the grill after it's done. And I put it in the center of the table and we all share from one communal dish. There's just something, so connected about that. And that's one of the things that food does in general. But when everybody gets their own dish, it's it's a little bit less special than when everyone shares from from the center of the table.
0: So you you make pizzas for a living, but your book is about helping people make pizza at home. And I was thinking about this the other day as, as I was reading your book is, you know, pizza is a simple dish. You know, like you said, it's bread with cheese and sauce and some toppings on top of it. It can't get simpler than that. Yet, People typically don't make pizza at home, like in our own family. We've made pizza at our home in our own family before, but it's, it's rare that we do that. And I, I imagine there's a lot of people like me as well. What do you think holds people back from making their own pizzas despite being a, a simple dish?
1: I think pizza making is a very difficult skill. I put pizza making in the same category. We're, we're more similar to plumbers and carpenters than we are to chefs where we have to learn, like if I was a carpenter, right? I have to learn the properties of, of wood. I have to understand the hardness and how walnuts different from oak and maple and how to treat it slightly differently. And then I have to learn the techniques for how to join wood and put pieces, put the pieces together to make the art, right? So I have to understand the science and the technique in order to practice the craft. And it's a lifelong pursuit. It's not something that you can typically nail the first time you try it. I I think I've, over the course of 20 years of making pizza, the first 15 years I had awful success when I tried to bring the restaurant's dough to my house and just bake it in my oven. It doesn't come out the same. The restaurant equipment is typically, the ovens are typically at a slightly higher temperature than your home oven can get. So by using a store-bought dough that was produced for, say, a higher temperature oven, which most pizza dough is, you're going to have bad results. What I did with my doughs in our book is I reverse engineered the dough to, be, to bake properly in the home oven. Gotcha. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's,
0: let's talk about that how people can get closer to pizza perfection in their home. Like equipment at your restaurant, you're using wood fired ovens, uh, you know, brick. You know, people have probably seen those at uh, different pizza, pizza restaurants. Do you need something similar in your own home to get uh, a quality pizza?
1: Absolutely not. And that, that's one of the, the biggest misnomers that prevents people from making pizza in their house. Oh, it's the oven. It's not the oven. You just need to tailor your dough around the specific oven that you have. So there are high temperature ovens now for the home, like Uni makes one, Gosney has the rock box and dome. There are, it's a booming industry. People are getting these cool little home ovens to make a pizza that you need a a higher temperature oven for. But your home oven can make equally as good, if not better, pizza. Than any of those high temperature ovens, but you need the right formula, and that's one of the things that that we go in depth in our book is specifically tailoring the dough recipe around the home oven, because I'm not going to use the, I'm not going to use the same dough. Like let's say I make one batch of dough, I can't bake one pizza in the home oven and one pizza in my wood fired oven. It doesn't work like that.
0: What is it about the dough? I mean, maybe we can get into this, but like kind of re- briefly, it's
1: really. Yeah. It's really just the water content of the dough is different because water. So water is a very good conductor of heat. So because the heat is so low in a, in a home oven, you actually need additional water in the dough so that the heat transfers to the, to the dough more efficiently. Now let's say I used a wood fired oven. My water content would be very low because the heat is so intense that I want a low water content to prevent burning, so if I used a a very wet dough in a very hot oven, the water would aid in heat transfer to the dough too too efficiently, and the pizza would burn, which is something it's like not common sense, you know it, it's it's Really like I I had to study a bit of thermodynamics to understand how a pizza bakes properly in different environments. It's super interesting. And that's the thing about pizza. Like it's yes, it's a simple food, but there are tons of rabbit holes that you could go down. And I like I just I really enjoy going down those rabbit holes. It's fun, it's engaging, it keeps me learning, it keeps me growing, it keeps my team engaged, and it's just it's it's endless in in what we can learn from su- such a simple and understandable food. Okay, so the key to making good pizza at home is you got to raise the water level in the dough. And
0: you got recipes in the book with exact ratios on that. And it all depends on the type of oven you're using. But besides that, is there anything else people can do uh, to cook good pizza in a conventional oven? Like, for example, do you recommend a pizza stone?
1: Yeah, so there's there are two main pieces of equipment or tools that you absolutely have to have in order to make great pizza in your home oven. Okay? One is a scale. Okay? For weighing your ingredients. You have to weigh out all of your ingredients for these recipes to work. Okay? Baking is it's all based on ratios. The ratio of flour to water, the ratio of salt To flour, the ratio of yeast to flour. They have to be weighed out because volumetric measurements are not accurate. Your cup of flour versus my cup of flour, even if you try to scoop two cups of flour in a row, you're going to get different quantities of flour. So you got to use a scale because 100 grams of flour is 100 grams of flour all around the world, man. So the other tool that you need is a pizza stone, a pizza steel, or some fire bricks. You have to build thermal mass into your home oven. Pizza bakes in a multi-directional way, okay? It's baking from the bottom up, okay? It's called conduction. It's that direct contact. Your pizza is sitting on a hot surface, okay? And it's cooking the pizza from the bottom. Then you have radiant heat and convection where you have moving hot air and, and waves of heat from all the other directions. And that's what's cooking the the rim of the pizza and melting the cheese, cooking the toppings and making it all come together. So we really you have to balance those three types of heat. And it's really the radiant heat and the uh, conductive heat that we're that we're trying to keep in balance. Okay. Your home oven has a wire rack. There's no possible way to get that conductivity that conduction to cook the bottom of your pizza. So you'll be left with a a pale white. It'll probably be completely raw on the bottom. And that's just not delicious. You have to build that conductive heat by inserting something into your home oven to capture the heat of your oven and then, then be able to transfer by conduction to your pizza. Okay? So a pizza stone, a pizza steel or even fire bricks like every big box store sells fire bricks uh, that you can just get 8 or 10 of them put them into your oven close close together you don't want gaps in between them preheat that thermal mass for a minimum of an hour 2 hours is better uh, you want that heat from your oven to be stored in that thermal mass to be available for conduction, so if you don't have that thermal mass, don't even try to make a pizza. It's not going to come out great.
0: We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. Peloton is stepping into the ring with its newest discipline, boxing. No gloves are needed. Discover a fast, furious, and fun workout with Peloton instructors in your corner. Even if you never boxed before, these classes will have you working up a sweat while working on the fundamentals of form, footwork, and fun combos that will keep you on your toes. Plus. Peloton is adding fun new artist series classes. Work out to the music of a single artist for an entire class from your favorite hits to the deep cuts. Peloton has a workout for every goal, day, and mood. Stay motivated while having fun with bike workouts, yoga, meditation, dance, cardio, and more. I've tried the Peloton Bike Plus. My favorite workouts on there are the boot camp style workout where you're doing some cardio on the bike, then you get off, you do some dumbbells. So it's a great cardio-strength combo, uh, great conditioning workout. And I can't wait to check out the boxing workouts now as well. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O N E P E L. O-T-O-N.com, onepeloton.com. Check it out today. Kuyu is an ultralight hunting brand that's relentless in solving the problems that hunters face in the field. Whether that's snow, rain, heat, high elevation, or tough terrain, Kuyu is gear that's designed to make sure that those things don't affect your pursuits. Kuyu has everything and anything you need for a hunt. They have clothing. They have packs, they have tents, they have sleep systems, and it's all designed to be super lightweight. The goal is to raise the bar of what's possible by pushing the boundaries of technology and performance. They see the test of a hunter's passion as numerous but surmountable. And that's why Kuyu is engineered to perform on the toughest hunts and roughest weather with ultra lightweight gear. If you're here for the hard way, the long way, and have the discipline to constantly improve your skills, if you're willing to start at the bottom and commit to a sport that can never be mastered, then you're here to hunt, and Kuyu has what you need. Kuyu knows that even when you're not hunting, you're thinking about hunting, doing the research. Head to Kuyu.com, that's K-U-I-U.com, to check out the gear your kit needs this season. And now back to the show. Okay, so you make your dough. Like, the thing I think think might intimidate a lot of people is, like, shaping the dough into a pizza shape. It's like, how do you get it to that, where you have that, that rim of crust, and it's not too thin in the middle because every time I've tried to stretch a pizza, I'm like, ah, oh, this is way too thin in the middle. What Where do people mess up there in the, the dough shaping part?
1: They tend to exert themselves onto the dough and touch the dough too much. You just have to be very gentle, touch the dough as little as possible, keep the dough dry with you know dry hands and uh, an extra bench flour. But Honestly, gravity is one of the best stretchers of pizza out there. Just hold it up and it'll it will stretch itself. My six-year-old daughter can make a pizza start to finish, and she, you know, if she can do it, anyone can do it. How big a pizza do you go for usually? We do 12 inch pies because that fits great in a home oven. I also like the smaller size because I can make more varieties. Mm. right we can start with a margarita then we can do uh, a mushroom pizza then we can do you know anything else that we picked from our garden or if we happen to have uh, leftover sauteed broccoli from the night before i can chop it up and make a broccoli pizza right so i like having a smaller pizza so i can make more of them plus as we're making pizza in my home kitchen everybody is gathered around our center island they're in our kitchen my wife my kids my son gets a chance to stretch one of the pies and and top one of the one of the pies my daughter gets a chance my wife even gets a chance and by having the, that smaller pizza it's just a little bit more fun it makes a night out of it and and we just we love that because it's it's again it's a get a about connectivity and being together and teaching skills. And there's so many things we can learn about pizza that I can teach to my kids that we try to make a night out of it. It's special.
0: All right. So you got the dough. That's the foundation. The next part, important part of pizza is the sauce. And you keep things really
1: simple with your sauce. Tell us about your approach. Yes. So my approach to all ingredients is buy the best raw materials and treat them as simply as possible. If you you have a great tomato or a great Butternut squash, you don't have to do anything to it. They're perfect as is. So that, and that's why I like I feel like I'm not, I'm not really a chef because I I just let the ingredients do the talking. But when you taste my tomatoes, it would be a crime to add garlic, oregano, basil, sugar. It's it's just a crime. They're perfect. They were grown very well. They were canned very well. And you know, it it would be it would be sad to to for for that tomato to lose its sense of self.
0: Okay, so you don't you don't add anything to it. You just it's like pretty much raw. And like also the thing you don't know, do is you don't pre cook it before you right. put it on your pizza. Right.
1: Yeah. So ninety, I'd say ninety five percent of all pizza sauce is is uncooked. And when I say uncooked, it's actually it's been cooked once. Right. When fresh tomatoes are put into a can and sealed, they have to be. Pasteurize, so they take the can, they cook it. So w- when you open a can, that tomato has actually been cooked one time already, right? Right. That's why a canned tomatoes doesn't doesn't look the same or taste the same as a fresh tomato. We are spreading such a thin layer of tomato sauce. We're talking two to three ounces of tomatoes for a twelve inch round pie. this The sauce is such a thin layer, and it's going to be in your oven anywhere between 2 minutes and 4 2 minutes and 6 minutes depending on your oven of choice in that time that sauce is going to cook if i cooked it and made a you know a, a pasta sauce out of it first it would get overly reduced and thick acidic pasty it's just not not very delicious the the only time we do use a cooked tomato sauce is if we're going to put it on after, or if I'm making a square pie or like a grandma slice, if, you, if you're familiar, that I would use a cooked sauce, but it, it's really just a small fraction of the time. The gist of the tomato situation is buy the absolute best quality tomato that you can find. And unfortunately, the only way to know that is to buy about eight to 10 of them, open them all, take the labels off, but mark the bottom of the can and do a double-blind taste test. And in our book, we have, we, have a, we have an instruction sheet for how to taste these tomatoes. And we're tasting them based on their actual merits. And their actual merits are positive flavor attributes, negative flavor attributes, whether there's an abundance of seeds and skins, the texture of them, the color of them, the sweetness and the acidity. That's what makes up a great tomato. So these are canned tomatoes, exactly yeah because i would never use a fresh tomato unless it's in the peak of tomato season wherever you're located and for us in new jersey that is july through the first week of october and that during that time of year we're using fresh tomatoes and it's a completely different experience it's just it's it's phenomenal it's so delicious but the rest of the year it's always canned tomatoes because they're they're grown in their peak of season they're packed when when they're super ripe and then they're good all year long are there brands you found that are pretty consistently good there are yeah the one we use at the restaurant is not available retail they're it's a wholesale only but at the restaurant we have we always have about four or five different tomatoes in the restaurant at all times and we use them in different methods uh, we have a, a yellow tomato tomato from Southern Italy that is just mind-blowing. And we make a yellow margarita out of it. And when you see this pizza, it looks like a pizza. It doesn't look like a margarita, but if you close your eyes, it tastes like a margarita. And these tomatoes are just glorious. We also have a tomato from the Southern part of New Jersey, which is where I live. So that Kind of tells a story of time and place, and we use it on a pizza that we call the Jersey Margarita because we're located in New Jersey, and we want a pizza that kind of tells a story of time and place, right? Okay, so
0: sauce, keep it simple. Canned tomatoes? You don't have to cook it uh, again. Don't add yeah, oregano. But don't, taste. Yeah, but taste, taste the tomatoes, tomatoes
1: before, and use the best one that you that use the winner of your tomato tasting, and use that all year. And and you know, for me, when I go to the supermarket, I'm walking up and down the tomato aisle looking for a new brand that I've never tasted before. And if I ever do see a new one, I'm buying it, tasting it up against what, what I currently use. And if it's better, I'll, I'll switch to that better tomato. But tomatoes are a product of agriculture. And every year, they might be subtly different. So just because you bought this tomato from Julia last year, and it was phenomenal, maybe you should taste it next winter and see if if that next vintage, the next season of it is the same, because it very well might not be, especially if it's an Italian tomato, because their, their canning technology is not nearly as advanced as our canning technology here in, in the United States.
0: And also the sauce, like less is more. I think a
1: lot of people will be tempted just to slather yeah. the thing. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. In in our book, we each of the pizza recipes has a before, before the bake picture and an after the bake picture so you can see how much of the, of each ingredient really goes on and it, it's way less than you actually think. It's human nature to just want to put more and more and more on. Because you, you spent a lot of time cutting that cheese and and you know making your other toppings. Of course you, you think it needs a little bit more than it actually does. Okay. So let's move to cheese. Uh, what's your go so is mozzarella your, your go to cheese for pizza? So mozzarella is my go-to. We we always have at least two different types of mozzarella. But really, any cheese is great for pizza as long as you like it, right? I can tell you Taleggio is the best cheese for, for pizza. But if you think Taleggio smells like feet and you are disgusted by it, that would be the worst cheese possible for you. So number one, use what you like, but really look at cheese. Look at the cheese, right? If you're going to put the cheese on before you bake it, the cheese has to be a good melter. And some good melting cheese are mozzarella, taleggio, scamorza, any of the Swiss cheeses like Gruyere, raclette. There are great melting cheeses out there. So if you're going to put the cheese on before the bake, make sure it's a good melter. After the bake is a completely different story. Then you can use hard-grating cheeses like, of course, Parmigiano-Reggiano, Grana Padana, Pecorino-Romano. But even if, like, let's say you love goat cheese and want to make a goat cheese pizza, well, goat cheese doesn't melt at all. It kind of just stays put and gets crusty and weird. So put it on after the bake, right? So just look at the cheese that you love and decide if it's a good melter, if it's a good melter before the bake, if it's a bad melter after the bake.
0: So how do you spread your cheese out in your pizza so you ensure adequate coverage and you want that structural integrity so things don't just plop
1: off when you lift the pizza to your mouth? Yeah. So the quantity is super important. It's more important than the actual moisture content of it. So I do like a a wetter mozzarella that will flow fully and completely, but I tend to use much less of it than if I was using a a drier more processed mozzarella. So quantity really is everything here. Gotcha. All right. So that's Vuda to toppings. We got our we got the dough, sauce,
0: cheese. Uh, what are your yes. go-to? What are your go-to toppings for pizza? This is the fun uh, part. Ah,
1: sky's the limit, man. Sky's the limit. Everything from oh, uh, you know, so we have a little, a sad little backyard garden that, you know, depending on how much time and energy I have, it grows Great things, or just sits there and does nothing. But you know, anything anything that that grows can make a great pizza topping. Like I said earlier, even leftover sauteed broccoli or spinach, or really, the sky's the limit. You got a you corn like it, pizza.
0: You got there's corn. Hell pizza. yeah! In Biggest
1: there, selling seasonal pizza all year is the corn pizza by far.
0: Yeah. Wait, okay. So, wait, what do you use? Like a like a like a regular like margarita sauce on that? Like, what do you do for that? No,
1: no. no. Okay. So that's a that's a white pie. So we do fresh mozzarella, a little scamorza cheese, which is uh, a cousin of mozzarella. It's a drier, uh, more aged mozzarella. Uh, a little bit of shaved onion and in season corn. I would never make this corn pizza any other time of year except August September okay because the corn is completely different when it's out of season. We want it to be that glorious taste of summer where you bite into the pizza and and each kernel pops in your mouth with with sweetness. And then we pair it with a little bit of fermented chili paste that we make to increase the the heat which balances the the sweetness of the corn. And listen, I know you guys whoever's listening out there, you're going to you're going to think I'm nuts for putting on corn on a pizza. But trust me, follow me on Instagram. Watch the reactions to people when they bite into this corn pizza. It sounds weird, but when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, man. And in August in New Jersey, we got corn everywhere. And it is good if it's treated properly.
0: So when you, so a lot of your toppings are dependent on in-season because you like to use in-season, seasonal ingredients.
1: Yes, because a strawberry in the middle of January does not taste like a strawberry. Have you put a strawberry on yeah, a it pizza a, before? I know it was a bad reference because I okay. would never put a strawberry a, on a pizza. But the gist of my topping situation is, number one, I I pick a star of the show, right? I, I pick a, a a main character, right? So if if peas are coming in my garden and I have these glorious fresh peas that I can only get really three weeks a year, if I have those fresh peas, I'm going to pair them with something super, super simple and complementary. So complimentary to a pea would be something like a really delicate ricotta cheese, maybe a little bit of guanciale or bacon. We try to keep that supporting character complimentary and not overpowering. I love meats on my on my pizza. So obviously, pepperoni is like the world's favorite. Mm -hmm. pizza topping uh, besides cheese. I love other cured meats, prosciutto spec. I try to keep it really, really simple. When I choose my toppings, it's kind of like being the conductor of a symphony. You're not really playing a role here. You're just putting the pieces together and making sure that they're all in harmony, right? And we try to keep them in balance with each other.
0: Well, speaking of pepperoni, like I, I might I love pepperoni pizza, but there's like a particular type of pepperoni pizza that I like. I like it when it's cooked in a way where the pepperoni kind of curls up and it's cuppers. Like, cuppers. Those I I don't like it when it's just like the big giant pepperoni lay flat. Lay flat. I don't like that because it's all there's lay flat. And gross. There's cuppers. I like the cup because it's crispy on that edge and it's got it just exactly it hits nice. Is that is that your preference?
1: Yeah, we're 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 cuppers here. What uh, makes the oh, so makes it, flatters, what makes the pepperoni cupper or lay flatter? So, if it's sliced to the right thickness, cuppers are typically sliced a little thicker and they're also in a natural casing. And the casing, I guess, contracts faster than the meat. And, you know, you, you get that cup when it, you know, once it hits a certain temperature. I prefer cuppers cut to a very specific thickness. So, for our pepperoni, we actually have to slice. On a deli slicer, every round of pepperoni that goes on our pizza. So it's very labor intensive, but for me, it's a no brainer. It's very well worth it. Um, I love those, those two different textures where the rim of, of the pepperoni is a little bit caramelized and crispy, but the bottom lays flat. There's a little pool of pepperoni juice. Yeah. We actually shave garlic on top of that pizza, like super, super thin. And when a slice, a really thin slice of garlic gets stuck in one of those pepperoni cups and and from the heat of the oven it gets fried in that pepperoni oil that is my one of my favorite bites of food in all of humanity that sounds my mouth watering right now just <laughs> thinking about that so
0: it sounds like you're taking away with the toppings you're you're asking or you know suggesting to people to like to open up their horizons when it comes to toppings don't don't just think sausage pepperoni bell peppers mushrooms like there's other stuff you could try as well Yes.
1: But if you are a simple person like I am, right? So if I, if I could make one pizza for the rest of my life, it would be a margarita pizza, like no questions asked. I'm, I, when I'm at my house, I always make at least one margarita. It's kind of the, my gold standard. It's, it offers comfort. It offers challenge. It offers creativity, like I said, we have four or five different tomatoes in the restaurant. And if we change change one product on the margarita, it completely changes the experience of that pizza.
0: Okay. So here's the question. Does pineapple
1: belong on pizza? I get that question all the time. I know you do. What's your take? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So me personally, I do not make a pineapple pizza. If my restaurant Raza was located in Hawaii or Costa Rica or anywhere where pineapples grow down the street and there's a huge abundance of them, I would put them on a pizza. Granted, pineapples have sweetness and acidity, right? That's what a pineapple is, sweetness and acidity. So I would not add tomato sauce, which also offers sweetness and acidity. That is not a good combination. But I would do a white pie with a little bit of Fresh pineapple, definitely never canned pineapple. That's just an abomination. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, well, you
0: know, speaking but of like this, fresh- re- okay, speaking of the like regional differences of pizza, you, this this you just reminded me of something. I when I lived in Mexico, you know, they had pizza down in Mexico, but you know they would put like um, jalapeno peppers on it, but like fresh out of the can jalapeno pepper slice. But here's the weird thing: a lot of people down in Mexico, at least in Tijuana, they get a piece of pizza and they would. Sp- they would pour ketchup on top of the pizza.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abomination.
0: Which I, yeah, I, I've never, I, I mean, I, I tried it because you know, when you're in Mexico, you got to do what, what the Mexicans do. It was okay, but I, it was, I just thought it was, it was, it was a kind of a weird thing that, that they decided, okay, you have this tomato-based yeah. food, you're going to put more tomato on top of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're not speaking my language here because I, have, I, dis, I, I can't stand ketchup. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the worst condiment out there. There's yeah, so many yeah. better condiments I don't like in the world either. than ketchup.
0: Yeah. I, I've I've noticed I've kind of I've stopped using ketchup. Even when we have a burger yeah, give, and fries, dude, I don't dip. I give don't, me
1: mayo all day yeah. long.
0: Mayo and I like mustard. I like the the punch of it. And that's that's pretty love much love mustard. Yeah. Uh, okay, so pineapple. Okay, so if you're in Hawaii, you might put pineapple on a on a pizza. Yeah. And but
1: if if you like pineapple and if you grew up on it and you have this deep connection to your childhood eating ham and pineapple pizza, uh, who am I to tell you what you should like or dislike? I'm nobody. You should keep doing what you do and enjoy it. Okay, so how long do you cook
0: these pizzas for? You said like six to eight, or was it four to six minutes, depending on the oven?
1: Well, so it depends on the oven. In a wood-fired oven, you're looking at, for my bake time and temperature, we're looking at two to three minutes in a high-temperature oven. In a home oven, we're looking at six to eight minutes for a round pie, about 20 minutes for a square pie.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, it's not that long. That's another nice thing about pizza is it's fast. Exactly. You get it fast. When you take it out, do you like, do you like to let the pizza rest? Is
1: there anything you like to add to the pizza after it's done? Yeah. So, I always, I always land my pizza out of the oven on a wire cooling rack to let the steam kind of escape. Because if I put it onto a flat surface, like a, a plate, all the steam would get trapped between the plate and the pizza and your crust would get a little soggy. So I like to land on a a wire cooling rack for at least 10, 15 seconds. I'll add any other finishing toppings like arugula or parmigiano-reggiano cheese. I'll grate that on while it's cooling. And then I move it off the cooling rack and slice and it's go time. Well, Dan, I'm feeling really really hungry right now. This has been a great conversation.
0: Where can people go to learn more about the book and your work?
1: Yeah. So you can go to the thejoyofpizzabook.com. There's also links on my Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Dan Richer. The restaurants, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at nj. So that's R-A-Z-Z-A-N-J like New Jersey.com or not com, but that's our website too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dan Richard, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you. And thank you for all of the information you've given me through this podcast. It's what you're doing is so special and how you're doing it is, is just really fantastic.
0: Well, thank you so much. That means a lot. My guest here is Dan Richer. He's the author of the book, The Joy of Pizza. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. You can find more information about the book at his website, thejoyofpizzabook.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash pizza. We can find links to resources and we can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Make sure to check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you can think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you could do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to StitcherPremium.com, sign up, use code manlius at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS, and you can start enjoying ad free episodes of the AOM Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think we could out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Till next time, it's Brett McKay, reminding you not only to listen to the podcast, but put what you've heard into action.